Meow, my Neuromarvies. It's Serena. I hope you have been having an autastic time, uh, such as it is with the COVID-19 still raging. Um, today, what I wanted to address is the issue of comorbidities. Uh, so co uh, frequently co-occurring conditions with autism spectrum disorder, of which I personally have a few. I can talk about those maybe a little bit later on in the episode, but um, I wanted to find, I had a, a chart that I was referring to, so I want to find that, but um, yeah, it would be interesting to know what comorbidities um, that you're all suffering from because it's very uncommon in medicine, neurology, psychiatry, psychology to only have one disorder or one condition. It's funny, one condition. But so what frequently happens with uh, ASD, so ASD is made up of social communication repetitive and restrictive behaviors, and, and then the sensory atypicalities. And the way it's put in the DSM-5, maybe it's not phrased in, in those exact ways, but, you know, basically you're talking about stims and weird sensory issues and um, difficulties in your social life and with communication whether it's receptive communication or, um, or whether it's expressing yourself to others. Uh, so commonly occurring with that, as far as, I guess, more physical things would be sleep problems. Um, in my case, I do have sleep problems, but I don't perceive them really as physical. To me, it's it's related to the thoughts that I'm having, but um, so, you know, these can be insomnia or sleep onset delay or parasomnia. Parasomnia, I think is like, like sleepwalking, sleep eating, things like that. Uh, maybe even sleep paralysis issues. So I have both. Um, normally I just have the sleep onset delay, but I do go through periods of my life where I have both. So it takes me a long time to fall asleep. And then I will wake up in the middle of the night and find it um, very difficult, if not impossible to get back to sleep. And that's so you, you have genes that are responsible for sleep problems. You have genes that are responsible for, for autism when epigenetics makes it so that certain genes that are already there light up and express. And obviously I'm going to tread very lightly because I'm sure that there are thousands of people who have more experience um, with scientific matters than I do, but um, 
you know, well, it's not how many angels are dancing on the head of a pin anymore. It's we know it's not nature or nurture. We know that everything now is both. Um, but anyway, so you have your physiological mechanisms like the circadian rhythm, the melatonin and the serotonin. And all that is influenced by the genes associated with sleep. And then you're, you have sleep problems more like what I have, I think, um, which is more connected to anxiety and depression. And I probably also have ADHD. I know I have OCD, but the OCD, when I see anxiety, I see OCD because OCD is a form of anxiety. So, um, you know, essentially the anxiety, that would be what I would blame mine on. Uh, but you also have environmental factors, family factors, and nobody, even, even if you want to live in a bubble, even if you appear to live in a bubble, nobody really does. So what's going on in your family is what's going on in your environment is going to affect you. And then a lot of people with autism have co-occurring gastrointestinal problems. They either have a lot of diarrhea or a lot of constipation. And um, quite a few have epilepsy and um, inflammatory bowel syndrome. And then, of course, there's a large segment that has verbal learning disabilities and non-verbal learning disabilities or both or neither. So, I mean, that's that. And a lot of the time you'll look at charts and it will have OCD spelled out and it will have eating disorders spelled out also. And I have anorexia. I believe anorexia is comorbid with my OCD. And I believe, um, it's also comorbid with my autism because the autism has all the sensory stuff. I know with me, I have a lot of sensory issues that relate to the taste, texture, smells, colors, and everything having to do with food. Um, so that along with the um, more OCD elements of the eating disorder, you know, it, it's all, all tied together. So... I think it's it's unlikely that anyone who has any type of autism is going to get away unscathed without any kind of depression or anxiety. And most of us have been bullied. So, you know, bullying causes trauma. And even though autism isn't caused by trauma, depression and anxiety certainly are. And um, certain personality disorders or traits, um, those are caused by trauma. So you might see borderline or some cluster B personality disorder that is coming out of um, a traumatic relationship with the parents who don't know how to deal with an autistic child or with the bullies on the playground who, you know, obviously they're bullying the kid and then the kid might not even be able to express that to the parents. And um, for myself, I also had selective mutism, which is also something I see quite a bit on these comorbidities charts. 
And I know when I read about other people with autism, a lot of them will bring up the fact that when they were kids, they um, had mutism that was situational, where maybe they were able to talk at home, but not in school and things like that. So for myself, just looking at all the comorbidities, having that many um, conditions that all point to autism, it would be difficult to not have some form of autism. It's just, it would be almost more difficult to not have some form of autism with so many comorbidities. But, um, you know, we're not 100% sure with me. We just highly suspect it. I'm still waiting for the results. I know that I'm uh, neurodivergent because having OCD is one way to be neurodivergent. I know I have that and was diagnosed with that ages ago. And I may also have ADHD. So um, one way or another, I'm neurodivergent and highly likely that um, some form of uh, mild to moderate autism, depending on the dimension of the autism, is at play here. There's just too much, too many indications, which is why I went to an autism specialist. Um, so yeah, it would be great to hear about your own comorbidities and how those have affected you and which came first, which signs were noticed first. Maybe you were diagnosed young and that was, the autism was what um, got diagnosed first and then everything else was looked into, or maybe you're an adult like myself and had all of the comorbidities or many of them already diagnosed, but not the autism. And now you're just kind of getting around to um, suspecting that you have autism, or maybe you've already been diagnosed. So I'd love to hear your experiences, my neuromarvies. Okay. Meow. Meow, 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 meow. Me, 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 me. Did I happen to mention that silliness is a comorbidity of autism too? <laughs> my mom, when I, I told my mom that I may need her to um, kind of vouch for me or have a conversation with the, have a conversation with the um, psychologist as what they call collateral, people who can answer questions and um, sort of give them a better idea of when your problem started and what the etiology may be. So I asked my mom if she would be up to answering questions like that. And she said, yes. And, and um, she said, I'll tell them you're goofy. Well, you can't go wrong with that. And I certainly cannot disagree with that. All right. <laughs> meow, 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 meow. So feel free to... Um, you know, to leave a message or to, for that matter, not leave a message. But what would really be nice is if you could share the podcast and um, 
just make make it known that there is a podcast like this out there. I think it would help a lot of people. Unless I'm just humble bragging. <laughs> All right, cats. Bye. <laughs>